0: Coming up, we'll discuss Bob Chapek's extension, the closing of California's Great America, and Pride Day at Busch Gardens Williamsburg. Welcome to the show, I'm Philip. On the Haunted Trash Network podcast, we bring Halloween to you every weekday. We have news on location coverage and interviews from experiences around the world. On Mondays, we break down large trends from the news and why it matters to you in our weekly green-tagged series. I know it's not explicitly Halloween, even though we do mention it. And if that's not your thing, you can check back tomorrow for our weekly Haunt News Roundup show. And just a reminder that we are preparing for this year's annual hauntathon. So if you have a haunt that you would like us to cover on the show or to even visit, send me a message. You can contact us through our show website or email me at philip at hauntedattractionnetwork.com. Okay, here we go with this week's episode of Green Tagged. From our studios in Los Angeles and Tampa, this is Green Tag, Disney Park in 30. I'm Philip. I'm joined by my co-host, Scott Swenson. And Scott, everyone's favorite Disney CEO has had his contract extended. Yay!
1: <laughs> Yay!
0: I I knew that you were just so I waiting was, for that bated uh, breath.
1: Yes, I was. I was biting my nails to find out, you know, is Bob's contract gonna get extended? I actually have bumper stickers made up.
0: <laughs> well, now's the perfect time to be to be you know. Jumping putting those, those out bumper there. stickers,
1: because we know now, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah, now we know. So I'm gonna read an excerpt from the Impark magazine story on this. Today the Walt Disney Company board directors unanimously voted to extend Bob Chapek's contract as chief executive officer for three years. Their, their statement reads, Disney was dealt a tough hand by the pandemic, yet with Bob at the helm, our business from parks to streaming not only weathered the storm, but emerged in a position of strength. <laughs> Sorry, I should read it more. Okay. <laughs> in this important time of growth and transformation, the board is committed to keeping Disney on the successful path it is on today. And Bob's leadership is key to achieving that goal. Bob is the right leader at the right time for the Walt Disney Company, and the board has full confidence in him and his leadership team." <laughs> and M Park also mentions here that prior to becoming CEO, Chapek served as the head, of course, of Disney Parks and Experiences after serving as Chairman of Disney Parks and Resorts since 2015. So he, he did park, ex- Parks Experiences and Products and then Disney Parks and Resorts, which we already knew, and they kind of gave a little bit more of his history in the background. So, I, I literally, I'm like, I'm not surprised at all. And actually this is, this is par for the course for me. Like Disney does not, they've only had what, like seven, seven, somebody fact check me like seven ish CEOs. This is like the seventh one in like a hundred years. Like it's not like, they, they don't really, they're not squeamish in terms of like when, you know, when public opinion or just all this crazy, you know, whatever, they they actually, I, I feel like it's almost the opposite. They weather the storms. They they kind of tend to to go with it. And he has a history. I mean, I think Impark's point here is to point out his background, but he has a long history with them. He knows a lot of people there, he has a long history. He's very familiar with the brand. You know, he has, and honestly, like I know this is definitely an unpopular opinion. As As a like Disney attendee, I don't love the changes. You know, and I, I. then again, I still go once a week. I, I don't, you know, I don't love a lot of the directions, you know, et cetera. I still go once a week and there we go. And that literally is his success right there in that statement. Yeah, I don't love it. I'm still there once a week. Yep. Wow, he must be doing a fantastic job where I'm continuing to pay for a thing that I
1: don't like. If I were sitting on the board, yeah, I wouldn't change the, anything if that's the case. Now, I happen to be kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. I don't go ever- because i don't like the changes i don't like the way the parks have 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 altered and in fairness or lack of fairness i haven't even experienced the way the parks have been altered i don't even like the concept so you know i it's it's i'm of course i'm one of those weird people that works in the theme park industry who who doesn't who isn't addicted to going to theme parks um you know i don't I, I can't even tell you... Well, yes, I can. I can tell you exactly the last time I was at Disney. It was the last time I was at uh, at IAPA Expo. And the only reason I went to Disney was because it was a, 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 an IAPA event. And it was a private event. And it was... I didn't have to deal with any of the shenanigans that go on. Um, mm-hmm. I I was there as a, as a guest. Um, I paid a premium price for it. But you know what? It was more than worth it for me. Um, so... And I got to see something that I had not seen before. So I I that's the way I like to do Disney now because I I'm not I'm one of the few people that and interestingly enough, I'm one of the few people that I know who is not and never has been a Disney pass holder who lives in the the I four corridor. Yep. That's a good point. Um I've yeah. never been a Disney pass holder. I've never been a universal pass holder. Um of course, part of the time, what part of the reason for that is when I was working regularly in the theme parks, I was either so connected or there was a mutual uh, agreement between the parks. I didn't have to pay to go anyway. So, yeah. uh, but even then I wouldn't go nearly as often as some of my friends who, you know, didn't work in, in the parks. Um, I, you know, I, lo- I, I love Walt Disney world. I, I think what they do is brilliant. I, I love Universal Parks. I think what they do is lovely and wonderful and exciting. I just spend enough of my life um, in attractions working that when I'm not working, I want the opposite. So I'll go to the beach or I'll go on a cruise or I'll go, you know, I want, I want something that's not shoulder to shoulder, that's not... That doesn't require a great deal of planning. That's part of the thing that turns me off so much about what Disney, the way the direction Disney is going is. It requires so much advanced planning, and I've, I've beaten that horse to death. So I'm not even going to go down that road. But but to your point, Philip, just like you said, they're still getting money out of you. You are still going. You are still going on a regular basis, even though you don't like the changes. So the changes are an annoyance, but they're not enough of an annoyance to make you not go. And the they are enough of a benefit that it makes it far easier and far more efficient. And I would guess more profitable uh, because they're more efficient for, yeah. for the parks to run that way. So yeah, yeah here's a CEO who is, is doing yeah. things that aren't pissing people off enough to make them leave, but are making it more um, efficient and more cost effective yeah. for, yeah. for what they do. So yeah, of course he's going to get renewed.
0: Of course. Yeah, no, of course that that's, I didn't even thought it was in question because like, You know, it, it, yes, Disney plus was not his idea. Like there was a lot of, basically the direction that he got given, you know, was not all of his making, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously that was his predecessor, but he was able to continue it and continue it in a way that didn't sink the ship. Right. And also, I don't know, people need kind of like OJT. They need time to, to figure out the position. And you know, he has, like, I, I will say this, you know, I'll say a few things. Not all the changes I have hated. I, I. I, and again, this, this might just be me, I prefer the automation. I prefer being able to order from my app on the phone and just go pick it up and not have to stand in an hour churro line. Like I, and actually that's some of the, the benefits that kind of are outweighing it where I'm like, well, I know that if I can get a reservation at Disney and go there, I know that there's a certain minimum I'm gonna be able to get done versus I can't guarantee anything if I go to Knott's at all. I can't, I can't guarantee like anything. Like, i just show up and you could get into anything because the lines are too long, like Anime Expo. <laughs> or Line Con, as it's called here. <laughs> but, so I think there's that. But I I also, I think that, you know, he has, he's learned. And I think that, what, n- not that I want to pretend like I would, like, be someone who's, like, hiring a Disney CEO. But, you know, like, just like when I'm hiring staff or anyone is hiring someone new and you're putting them in a new role, you're looking to see... If they can learn, that's the most important part. Do they take constructive feedback and do they change their approach, or do they are they just stubborn and like, no, I'm right every day? And I think he was stubborn. There were definitely some clashes. He is definitely learning. I mean, he's walked back a lot of what he said. He's changed his stances. He's clearly listening more now to the Disney PR team. I mean, there. I mean, I think also it's only going to take a few adjustments, and the fans are just going to come back and say they love him. Like it's 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 really not like. And already look at what we're seeing, like we have the new Lion King show, which opened up. It has, you know, an all black cast and it's incredible. It's, a- it's actually incredible. It's an incredible show. It's a new addition to live entertainment. People love it. And then bringing back the Halloween parties that are live entertainment focused, you know, adding value, you know, they're, 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 again, they learned, right? They did. You see this learning, like the events last year were wildly unpopular versus the one that had entertainment and whatnot. And, and that was too far. It was like, like a line too far. You know, it was the same price, but way less offerings and no themed events and no live entertainments. And people didn't like it. And now this year, oh, they bring back some people like. Mm-hmm. They're bringing back live entertainment, even though it's costing more. They're bringing back the praise because it costs more. They're, they're, they're adding nights to their firework presentation. Right. So they are going back in that direction because they're not stupid <laughs> he's not well, stupid no. he is learning and
1: I think it's and I think it's also a reward for getting through the tough times. I think the board is saying you know what you made the tough calls you you made the the hard yeah. choices um, you weathered the storm and we, you should be rewarded for keeping us afloat. By cutting things back, and that's—I mean—that's why he lost a lot of his popularity. Let's be honest: is because yeah. he took things away from Disney fans, Correct. and Disney fans yeah, are and they're so entitled. Crazy! <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm insane. I definitely they're agree. Crazy! Y- y'all are nuts. <laughs> uh, but Disney fans, Disney fans are just so, uh, so blindly dedicated to the brand. And yeah. and to your point, if you've been a Disney Pass holder for and or whatever it's called now uh, for whatever length of time. There is a sense of entitlement. Um, yeah. The only people, the only people who have more sense of entitlement are um, the the timeshare holders. But um, oh, God. yeah, so because that's, I mean, that's their neighborhood. You know, that's that's where yeah. they live. Yeah. Uh, so yes, of course, he's he had to make some tough decisions, and I think the board's rewarding him for for making yeah. those tough decisions and getting through a tough time.
0: Yeah, I have a few more points here. One is that I think that. Fortunately or unfortunately, I guess it depends on on whether you're more like me or like Scott. All of these trends are inevitable in in the theme park realm. I feel I feel like you're going to we're going to need to use automation, like and better better security scanning, better park ordering for food, better processes. Like these things are going to be required. We have talked about this. The staffing is just pushing it into overdrive right now. But like you're we're not going to continue to be able to attract an FNB person that you pay minimum wage to stand there and just like type in orders that you, I mean, the, it needs to, the jobs need to be better for people. And so some of the, so automation helps with all of this. It, it just, and we, we, it's efficiency. It's going in that direction. We really can't, like, can't stop it. In my opinion, like it's going there. So it's kind of like, he's just, here at the time where this is all happening because I do believe it's going there and I do believe their system is the best honestly of all because I do all the parks unlike Scott I do all the parks I have all the passes to all the places I go to everything their system is the best like hands down it is by leaps and bounds so that's where it's going so sorry and honestly that is part of me as an attendee that's part of my decision making is like Oh, is it going to be an annoyance to just get like a sandwich? I should be able to pick up and walk out with. Like, why is this a whole thing? And that's that's a negative, but that's kind of one point I wanted to make. the uh, The next point is also about their differentiation and about that kind of thing. In our previous episode, we talked about that twenty four night, hundred and ten thousand dollar excursion, literally sold out before it went on sale to the general public.
1: Not surprised. Not again, surprised.
0: exactly what Scott said. Like literally, exactly what Scott said. This will sell out to like, you know, and 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 you're right. So I'm sure that'll. But that just shows clearly that that like they're right on the mark, right? For that. Oh yeah. Trend I, of, here's
1: here's the thing. Disney is at a point now where, uh, and again, I, I sound like a broken record, but Disney's at the point where they can piss off their their uh, avid they're avid fans and they're still they're still going to be avid fans and they're still going to come back because they want to be there. They want to have that moment of magic. Um you know, going back to the automation thing, I, you know, I don't mind automation when it comes to when it comes to y- y- the examples you've used as positive over and over again have been F&B, which I think are fine. Um I think it's I think you're right, I think it has to go that way the way staffing goes. I just hope especially in areas like Central Florida where, you know, so much of the workforce is theme park based, i i hope we all recognize that somewhere down the road this means unemployment this means that there when when everything starts to neutralize when everything kind of goes back and becomes even keel this means that we're going to have a huge unemployment problem and because the jobs have been replaced by an app um now i'm not saying that's right or wrong i'm just saying i hope we are not being so myopic in the short term that says gosh this is nice that i don't have to wait in line and and i agree I I don't think that's wrong. I I think we have to figure out. My point is, let's not. My point is not let's avoid the the automation. My point is, let's plan ahead so that we don't have uh, this this god awful problem. And one of the issues that you and I have talked about, and this is my biggest problem with automation in general, um, is customer service has gone down the down the toilet, and that's pretty much across the board. I'm not talking about Disney. Again, haven't been in a year over a year. Uh, well, not quite a year, but haven't been in about a year. Um, but still, uh, everywhere, everywhere, cruise lines, uh, um, hotels, restaurants, customer service has gone down the crapper. And I, I don't know whether this automated, uh, the automated world is going to help that or hurt it. Um, but I think these are all issues that I think we need to address. And um, I know I've gotten a little bit off topic here, but I think that hopefully, um, in the in the recovery plan and the fact that Bob has been so Bob, like we're buddies, um, have been so uh, has been so willing to listen and and adapt accordingly. You know, hopefully, he's got he and his team have a plan moving forward. That you know, as things get back or as we start to figure out what normal looks like again um that he has a plan to adapt and you know he's bringing back live e you know there's more live e yeah. coming back which is great um but is there going to be a focus back on what disney really set the standard for years ago and that was yeah. was customer service so um we will be watching that yeah again. i'm hoping i'm hoping that his his since he made it through the storm i'm hoping that when he gets into smooth waters he'll be able to bring back some of the things that i like at disney
0: yeah I, my, my only response to your point about the automation, which I do think is important, I, I do think that my hope, and again, I'm, I'm sure you're going to be like, come on, Philip. But my hope is that what this does is we bring in the automation and it allows you to free up those jobs to do things that are more interesting jobs that humans actually should be doing. So for example, greeters, customer service helpers, people that can just help answer questions, like Things that are more challenging that, that humans enjoy doing. It's just like we talk about in haunted houses, right? Like, do you, do you really need someone to just pop out of a corner, you know, every 30 seconds and just hit an actor trigger, you know, or would it be more meaningful if that person was trained as a cue line actor and got to interact as a face character outside of people and take photos that people can remember? I don't know which, which, you know, and that, uh, that in my, it's the same thing. My hope is that it will free up these positions to become overall better working experiences for the people, better, like better qualitative jobs overall. But I'm sure you're going to be like, nah, Phil. If that's
1: what people want. But again, having worked in the theme park industry for, for 30 plus years, it's not what all employees want. Um, One of the things I recognize, you use your haunted house example. There are haunted house actors who want to jump out and say boo, because they don't have the training. They don't want to think hard enough to actually create characters. They want to go ah, ah over and over again and get paid, you know, ridiculous hourly wage because you know everybody needs them. Um, and you know you're talking. You talk about uh, will it free up the positions? Yes, but you need one greeter for every uh, three or four, maybe even five food and beverage people you're going to lose. So it's still not going to adapt. It's still not going to make it so that we have an even trade out here. And you're also hoping that people will want to improve, because they're going to have to improve their training, their own personal training. Um, They're going to have to be more prepared to be a greeter. It requires, you know, to be able to answer a question requires you to have a significantly longer training period and uh, much more either that or much more uh, self-motivation to continue to improve yourself. And the reality that I've seen um, is that that's not true with everybody. You know, you have to have that broad spectrum of jobs available, both high-skill and low-skill positions. And this is eliminating the low-skill positions.
0: Again, I agree with all your points. The only final point I'm going to come back at you with is that I'm sure there will be things – that are created that we're not yet aware of. I hope so. There will be new things that will come in and there might be a new version of low skill position. Yeah, I mean that's clearly exactly even my now. Point.
1: That's exactly my point. I'm not saying we should not do this automation. What I'm saying is we should be prepared or not be surprised when all of a sudden, two years down the road, when everybody decides, oh wait, I do have to work. I can't just sit at home and and make money off of Bitcoin <laughs> yeah. and and I can't oh, just you know coming, I'm yeah. not I'm not I'm not going to be a, uh, a. Hey, look my my YouTube my YouTube channel is not generating the revenue that I I had hoped it would. Um, so I need to go back to work, um, and the jobs aren't there because they don't need them anymore. So I yeah. I hope you're right. That's that's kind of my point. We need to start thinking about what are those low skilled jobs? What are the jobs that are going to replace the jobs that are going to go away? And companies, I'm going to say, thinking from a corporate standpoint they're not going to worry about that too much. Large corporations are going to say, I can save all this labor money. I'm not going to make work for these people. Um, So uh, that's the point of the automation is to save the money. So I just, I just want to make sure, I just want to make sure that we're thinking about these things through. And hopefully, you know, now that, uh, now that, um, um, is, is back for another, you know, for another term, so to speak. Um, Let's hope he and his team are thinking about these kinds of things. And I hope you're right, Philip. I hope that they are saying, you know what? We're not going to spend the $10 an hour on the person who does this. We're going to get rid of three of those, and we're going to bring back one person that makes $20 an hour who can actually um, interact with guests. Still a 50% staff reduction, but um, it's. I just hope that they're thinking about those things. And I hope people who are much smarter than I am are thinking about those things, because I don't have... Excuse me. I don't have an answer, but I, I just want to make sure that we're, we're recognizing what the future is going to look like. Speak, well,
0: actually, that's a perfect segue. Speaking of what the future is going to look like, um, it's going to look a little bit different uh, in uh, Northern California here because Cedar Fair has announced that they're selling the Great America property and they're preparing for a permanent park closure during the next decade. I'm also reading this from Impark Magazine, and I'm reading an excerpt here from their article. Cedar Fair has announced that it has sold the land at its California's Great America amusement park and plans to close the park. Cedar Fair elected to sell the land to a Bay Area-based logistics real estate company for approximately $310 million with a lease agreement. The company will continue to operate the park for a period of up to, key, up to 11 years, and then will close the existing park operations at the end of the lease term. So they're basically leasing land for up to 11 years. That's the what they have here. Cedar Fair intends to use proceeds from a land sale transaction to accelerate progress on its strategic priorities of reducing debt to achieve its $2, mil, two billion budget target. That's one. Investing in high return projects within its portfolio, such as upgrading resort properties. That's two. And reinstating a sustainable unit holder distribution. That's three, which is... Gross when people say that, but <laughs> based on the strength and pace of the recovery since reopening its parks in 2021, and due to the additional capital raised through the transaction, Cedar Fair expects to reinstate quarterly unit holder
1: distributions by third quarter of 2022, subject to review. So, um, they're not reducing staff, they're reducing an entire park. Hmm. <laughs> I know, right? But so this is... Hmm. So, this... so.
0: Also I just want to point out kudos to the people that sent over these two stories. These two stories we've been talking to I've been were sent by listeners. We were going to cover them because they were the big news of the week, but thank you for sending them. Um and honestly, I am not surprised at all. I actually I'm actually like over here in the corner like applauding. I don't think they're going to extend to the full 11 years. I think they're going to close this early and get rid of it. And because of all the things we've been talking about this whole conversation like we just had previously, I think plays right into this. You know, they're 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 struggling to maintain this park i mean i it's in my opinion the last time i was there was a terrible experience and that was like when it was operating in full cylinders it's just not it's not a um they're they're not they're not making it work and they need the money to reinvest like they said into other things and we've talked about this also the other concept we've talked about here which i think is at play and that concept is the idea of needing to consolidate because you know, the real the real competition of the next few years is going to be attention. We're all competing for attention on that level. You know, in that way, theme parks are competing with TikTok basically for your time. If you're just going to sit in bed and watch TikTok all day or you're going to go to a theme park, that's the same attention span. So I think when you look at it in terms of the number of new incumbents, you know, these smaller chains outside of Disney Universal, these smaller chains, they're at high risk because they're not big enough and their experience is not differentiated enough and all the other things we've been talking about about how they're not on any of these levels right so i think this is one of their only plans i'm not sure it's still going to be enough but maybe it will be maybe they can cut a few parks and they can reinvest and make truly differentiated experiences in the other properties where they can more more closely manage cuz this, this park is also like way out it's very far away from their other so it's kind of Mm -hmm. it's just a bad it it makes sense we'll see if it
1: works yeah I agree I think that this is a this is an attempt to focus you know we've talked we we talk a lot about Disney we talk a lot about Universal and when it comes to just their theme park operation they don't try to have a park in every state they make you come to them and therefore they can focus and be worthy of your attendance and your dollars you know you're lucky enough to have uh, both parks in California I'm lucky enough to have both parks in Florida but you know, people who are in Omaha um, have to make it a, a a specific targeted destination event to go to a Disney park or a Universal park. Um, I think that that the larger, more spread out companies uh, like Cedar Fair are going to focus more on how do we differentiate. I think that's a perfect perfect adjective to use. Or a uh, uh, descriptor is, is how do we differentiate our, our, our product and how do we focus on creating something that guests want to come see, especially for those parks that are in competition with a, a Disney or a universal park. Um, you know that's that's tricky. That's that's very, very tough. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is I will say that from a personal point of view, this is very sad because the six the Great America Park um, Six Flags Great America. I almost called it Marriott's Great America, which is what it was when it opened. Um, the The two Marriott, the two Great America parks, when they opened, one was in my uh, just ten minutes from my high school um, in Gurney, Illinois, and um, the other one was out there in in uh, is it Santa Clarita? Is that where it is in California? Yeah. Um, so, and they were identical when they were built. So this goes back to the early or sorry mid seventies, and. Uh, so to hear that the park is being sold and going away does break my heart just a little bit, but uh, it's I, I do think from a business standpoint, it's a smart move. Yeah.
0: Okay, smart moves. This this next story, I really want to get in here because I do think it's actually a very smart move. Uh, there is a Pride Day coming to Busch Gardens Williamsburg. Bush Gardens Pride Day brings a rainbow of inclusiveness to Williamsburg Virginia Park on July 10th, 2022, with concerts, comedy, and dazzling drag stars. High-energy personalities take center stage during three family-friendly drag performances throughout the day. When the evening arrives, three LGBTQ plus artists and their unique comedic touch to the event during family-friendly comedy shows starting at 8.30 p.m. There's more to the event, but these were the highlights that I wanted to pull, and I pulled that from Trash's Magazine. I just really love this. I think it's brilliant. I think that this is exactly, um, you know, that, 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 like now I can throw some shade on Disney, you know, when Disney was like, we have a new pride collection, right? Great. I mean, ultimately it's just like a pride collection, right? There's not actually celebrating a pride in, in the content. And I, I do, I do love them for doing what they're doing, the donations and all that, but they're, they're still too conservative to actually do something that celebrates it. And here it is bush gardens they are actually truly celebrating pride using lgbtq plus performers and making actual entertainment around the culture and i am like this
1: a plus a plus and this is so mind-blowing to me again just as a reminder in case you forgot um i i worked for uh Bush Gardens. Uh, well, I worked in Bush Gardens Williamsburg and Bush Gardens Tampa for a bunch of years, and um, I I am thrilled. I am excited. I am a little shocked because uh, yeah. Bush Gardens Williamsburg was even more conservative than Bush Gardens Tampa for many many years. Um, the area surrounding Bush Gardens Williamsburg was very 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 conservative for many many years. So the fact that they have um, either they have chosen to make this leap or the the uh culture has changed enough that this leap is is acceptable to their audiences and to their pass holders and to their board members and you know all that stuff um i agree with you philip i think this is this is really cool and i love the fact you know i do think it's interesting that they made certain that they said family friendly about as many times as humanly yeah. possible um, yeah. but, uh, but I, but I think that's really important because again, more and more young people, uh, you know, I had a friend of mine's son, uh, came out not too long ago and, and wanted to talk to me and ask me about coming out and, and, you know, being gay and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and he's 13. So, you know, family friendly yeah, yeah. now includes LGBTQ plus individuals. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have a friend who has a 16 year old, um, gender fluid daughter, um, and so it it's it I love the fact that it's not looked at as taboo. It's not looked at as, oh, we're placating, we're placating this subculture. It is we are being inclusive and we're recognizing this is part of who we are. And uh, to see it done in Williamsburg, like I said, is shocking, but exciting. It, it, if it's if they can do it, let me put it this way. If you are listening, if you if they can do it in Williamsburg, Virginia, you can do it in your part. You can do it too. Yeah. Yeah. And and, exactly. and it's not just slapping rainbow stickers on anything. You know, there's a meme going around now that uh now that Pride Month is over and all the rainbow stickers have gone, please remember that they didn't do shit for us. I mean uh, anything for us. <laughs> um that's what the meme says. So uh I, I I don't know whether that's true or not, but I think that this certainly is embracing the the um embracing the culture, embracing the community and doing it in the right way. So Good for mm-hmm. you, Bush Gardens Williamsburg. Good job, guys.
0: Mm-hmm. Our last uh, story that we're not going to get time to really cover too much in because we're hanging up against time here, but uh, they're not the only people I wanted to call out for their their pride stuff. Uh, Lego also has pride parades marches across their Legolands nationwide. This comes from park Magazine. With pride parades happening all over the nation, Legoland Resorts and Legoland Discovery Centers are throwing their own celebrations with Lego pride parades in their mini lands. And when combined, they stretch nearly 100 feet long more than 1530 lego minilanders march amid, amid colorful lego floats, flags and musicians and more in celebration of pride month at all their all their locations basically at the resorts. And the pictures are really cute, but again this is just another good example of it and a good example of where it is a form again, we're looking for forms of celebration within the park itself and within their actual offerings of entertainment and that is I think what makes this differentiated.
1: Yep, and I think that, you know, uh, you can't get more family-friendly than Legoland. So, Mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. Good for them. Mm -hmm. Good for them. Mm -hmm. Well, guys, as Philip said, we are out of time. So, uh, on behalf of Philip and myself, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sharing stories and story ideas. We certainly appreciate that, and we we hope that you will continue to do it. Until next time, this is Green Tag Theme Park in 30. We will see you next week. Okay, that's it for today. We'll see you
0: back here tomorrow for our weekly Haunt News Roundup. Just a reminder... We are preparing for our annual haunt-a-thon. If you have a haunt that you would like us to cover on the show, please contact us and let us know about it. We do cover haunts, both large and small, during a -a haunt-a-thon. And if you just have news you want us to cover for your haunt, we do run a weekly newsletter, and we are accepting submissions for inclusion in our weekly haunt news roundup. So if you just have news to send, send that over as well. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Luis Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant. Our partner stations include A Scott in the Dark, Scare Track, The Scare Factor, and Haunt Topic Radio. Finally, please, please, please rate and subscribe to our show wherever you're listening. And until next time, haunters, stay scary.
1: This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.